Hello, this is Jamie. And this is Mandy. And this is our conversation with the Cowsills, Susan, Paul, and Russ Broussard, Susan's husband. Leslie secured us the wonderful opportunity to interview Susan when she played with the Cowsills at Epcot Center this past May. And luckily, Russ and Paul decided to join in the fun. We decided we were going to do this as an audio interview after listening to the tape because we didn't want the warmth and hilarity to be lost when it was put down on paper. Definitely. Um, When listening to the interview, the quieter male voice is Russ, and the animated character (laughs) is Paul Cowsill, who had us in constant hysterics. He's just amazing. We wish we had a video interview so you could understand why we were cracking up the whole time. And uh, Susan is one of the warmest, nicest, most open ladies. She's she's amazing. It was so good to talk to her, and Russ is such a sweetheart. And we were really glad to have the opportunity. We'd like to thank Leslie for that. And we'd especially like to thank Susan, Russ, and Paul for the interview and for getting us into their show afterwards. Definitely. Which was amazing and just fantastic. And if you have the opportunity to see the Cowsills, we definitely recommend it. Yes. So this is our interview with the Cowsills, starting off with Susan discussing her solo album, Just Believe It. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. It's, well, it's called Just Believe It, and we recorded it probably four years ago now. Um, and uh, it's my first solo debut record without any band, the Continental Drifters, the Cowsills, or anybody. And it came out um, about uh, a month after our Katrina storm. And therefore, um, many of the plans that were made for it um, went away. Right. Like everything else, it floated downstream down with Barry. <laughs> um, so it really never did um, see the light that it was supposed to see. It got um, wonderful pre-reviews. I mean, David Frick and Rolling Stone said a bunch of nice things about it, and I'm very proud of it. And um, Russ and I produced it. Russ Broussard, who's my husband, also a drummer bandmate <laughs> who also plays drums in the castles now awesome. because our brother John plays with the Beach Boys because it's all very convoluted <laughs> um, and that's um, pretty much it it's a kind of an album full of songs that um, have been waiting to come yes yes, yes ask me if I might Mandy go for it might I ask you a question <laughs> very good so the compilation of all the material yes is it is it a storyline or are they just individual uh, picks by you? I or? think it is a combination of both. I yeah. think it is an accumulation of my life's experiences yeah. to date. You know, I had a lot to do with um, past relationships, right. current relationships, family relationships. Yes. They recognize them, so I get called. I was getting calls every once in a while. What's that line about this? What's that line? About this? <laughs> Everybody wants to know. Yeah. Is that what you? Just no. No, no. I was, uh, I was saying, um, as she wrote her album, was did she a... write a ride? Oh, did she write a ride? Oh, you know, through a, a certain transition of her life, or does yeah. do all the songs uh, niche together, or is this totally. in the sequence? And we we start we we started to realize that, oh, that, that when we were sequencing this record. Can you hear him as he's talking too, too low? <laughs> this usually picks it's, up it's pretty good. You know, so. Producers are always so quiet <laughs> until they're in the studio and then they're 
Taskmasters. <laughs> well, Matt, no. shut up. Sorry. We actually had a question prepared that we were going to ask because it seems like you you often work with people you're very close to, like your significant others and your family. Yes. And um, do you prefer it that way? Yes. Do you like to, even if you don't know a person particularly well when you're working with music, do you like to develop a personal relationship? Uh, I think the first work, it just, I think being born into a musical family started a process of of being more comfortable being really tight with whoever I'm working with. I mean, after the Cowsills came the Continental Drifters, which was as much of a family band as the Cowsills were. I mean, we were together for, I was in the band, I think, for 10 years. Russ, you were in the band for eight. Um, and it was definitely a, a family. We were a bunch of brothers and sisters who, That's you know, wanted to kill each other <laughs> and loved each other and you know and of course you know Peter and I Peter Holsap and I were married at the time and uh, but I do you know it's not just exclusive to that but it certainly turns out funny you should mention it never really thought of it <laughs> that I am familial with with who I'm working with Paul well true but, um, but we're uh, so lucky, by the way, to have well, Paul Kelso here during this interview with us. <laughs> it's and, another perspective. And please mention, you know, that we're playing here at um, Epcot yes. together. Go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say that, you know, it, it does seem, you know, yeah, she does have that family or that, you know, that tight connection with all other musical players. But I have seen her from afar of Cindy Williams, um, of these other artists that she never knew and then they say hey Susan would you do something on our album or something and then it does become familiar right. with the people true. that she it just got introduced with I noticed that from outside right. and I say oh wow look at she's got really good friends now that girl is now her really good friend almost like we lived another life together kind no, of thing. do you think that that's like a natural thing usually or do you think it's just part of your personality I think it's that because I love everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's really easy to go right from, you know, an absolute sibling and to go to another person you can love them just in the same oh, way. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great. That's great. That's, all I that's good. <laughs> um, of course, you were in the limelight at a very young age, um, and you were a fan yourself, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, which artist made the greatest <laughs> impact on you when you were very young? Can I tell Paul would like to Davy Jones. Oh, yes. <laughs> we, were watching, we were just watching the uh, Brady Bunch episode with uh, oh, Davy Jones. Oh, Davy Jones. I hated her for that. And I was going to school with her. And they were really oh, good friends. You were Marsha. That's crazy. And we were slightly jealous of her. Although I met Davy before Maureen was a blip on the screen. Literally. <laughs> In 1968, I can't say that he was necessarily an influence on my right. music. He was just the man I thought I was going to marry. Definitely, his children. Sorry, Russ. And they were both going to wear jockey uniforms at the wedding. Yes, <laughs> and riding horses. <laughs> Do you have any funny stories to tell about meeting your idols when you were going uh, through? Uh, yeah, when I met Davy, um, 16. Well, there was a collaborative songwriters called Boys and Heart. Oh, okay. And they wrote all the monkeys hits and we were touring, the Calluses were touring with Boys and Heart. Oh, wow. And I knew that Tommy Boyce knew Davey really well, so I made Tommy Boyce my instant best friend. Nice. (laughs) And worked him 
for the whole tour <laughs> that his main mission when we were done was to make sure I met Davy Jones. That's awesome. Can you say an eight-year-old, eight nine-year-old, I can't really remember now, just work in the field? I can see this thing. I was like, well, I remember, I remember somebody saying, we're, we're doing this leg with Boyce and Hart, and I was like, I that. that's I it, I'm in, <laughs> I am in. And he arranged for me to meet him, and then somehow or another, Gloria Stavers got involved, and it became a 16 magazine thing. Was it like, a, did you do a spread in the magazine yeah. and everything? Like we, yeah, and it was very embarrassing. <laughs> picture, pictures up there. Meeting. Meeting. Right. The title of it was, <laughs> what are you, what are you well, it's a spread, it seemed like Playboy or something. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was kind of embarrassing because they entitled it Susie's First Kiss. Oh, okay. gosh. They made it seem so juvenile when right. I was so serious. You're like, I'm marrying this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This it, is true it, love. It really was. And then, and on top of it, I had to take our manager at the Times, really spoiled little girl, daughter, uh-huh. with me. And then she was all bent out because Davy liked me better. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, in, in these pictures in 16 Magazine, I'm there with Davy. Davy has his arm around me, and Lauren's standing next to Davy going, That's awesome. Just to add to that question, you know. Um, it was always really incredible. You know, we'd come in, we'd do these big shows, Dean Martin show. You know, we had our own special with Buddy Epson, you know. And, man, they all wanted to dance with Susan, you know. And these <laughs> we, were some we generous people. Yes. I mean, these were not like old farts, you know. Right. Like, shaka, shaka. They were very, you know, Susan had talent. You know, oh. and uh, and I think they saw that and yes. they wanted to put their talent up next to hers to make them glow brighter <laughs> we have oh, we've seen the video Playboy Playboy is it Playboy After, After, Dark. After Dark we were watching that a few weeks Gilliam, ago Gilliam what's his name <laughs> your dancing, your dancing was the amazing, amazing. Was like, was so good yes. stole the show yeah. <laughs> I learned it all from Davey <laughs> you watch my moves Don't do any monkeys episode definitely and, and by the way, so did Jeff McDonald. But whatever. <laughs> nice. And Axel Rose. And Axel Rose. And Axel Yeah. Maybe. What did I say? Some oh, uh, what do you believe, Miss September? Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Actually, we watch that now, and Susan, we all kind of go, ah. We all know that the guy, people who did that show would be in jail. Right, right. right. And we also know somebody put those words out on some big placard. Right. Oh, my God, here's your mom. I'd say that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, they right. right. Like, check that all through the FCC and everything. I don't even think they did that back <laughs> no, then. No, they probably did. before didn't. there was need. Well, no, before FCC we knew there was need. for something completely different. <laughs> yeah. But over the years, you know, as we've gone through the country, I have noticed a lot of people have seen Susan with Dean Martin, Susan with Buddy Epson, you know. Not the not Davy Jones, but anyway, but there's always that kind of entity. I talked to him on the phone last week, a couple weeks ago. Wow. You know um Gary Strobel? He came to my we did a house concert after we did our Santa Barbara gig. Yes. We went down to LA and did yep. a house concert. Strobel was there. And he walks up to me and he goes, Somebody wants to say hi to you. Hello, Susan. It was Davy Jones. Oh my god, god. holy shit. <laughs> Oh, it was great. How long have you been that you talked to? Uh, we did a convention with the monkeys yeah. once, and I sang. TV show. I sang. I'm a too. believer with them. Oh, yes. wow. But um, that was pretty cool too. <laughs> but uh, but he did say this. He said that he had been talking to Barry Williams. We do a thing called the Original Idols. We are right. on a tour. 
um, with the Bay City Rollers, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods, yes. Leif Garrett before he got bummed off for being a bad boy, <laughs> and our leader and MC Barry Williams, aka Greg Brady. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> Rex Smith and Rex Rex replaced Lake. Easy oh, guys, no. easy. Oh, no. Rex. We're like huge like sooner or later fans. That movie sooner or later. We're oh, okay. Good. So you love Rex. They love, and Rex. we love Rex too. <laughs> love Rex. He is number one showman. But don't let's not lose the context yes. of that question. Where was I going? You were going about uh, Barry Williams, and you were going to tell Davey me. Davy Jones said, "Davy's told Dave." I call him Dave now. Davey <laughs> said to me that, that Barry had been talking to him about the Idols tour, and that and Davey said, you know, he goes, well, is it pretty cool? And I said, actually, it's really cool. He goes, well, I thought about doing, you know, maybe a couple of runs with you guys. And I was oh, like, that gosh. would be hip. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think I love you. Oh, Davey, can you tell me? Okay. I mean, Davey's... <laughs> such a good thing. He did. Davey came on the Idols tour and ruined it. Yeah, yeah, we're not being funny. Oh. I mean, Davey's great, you know. I mean, he's he always was older than me, and now he is even more so. Right. <laughs> no, it's all good. Really old. Hey, but wouldn't it be funny if, like, Assisting Magazine was still around, and so then Davey Jones did come yes, out with like, it? And, then, and then there's the picture. Susan here, like... Like you this, should get Leslie to do it. That'd be great. Mandy, Mandy, look at me. And so, and so um, Susan's in the middle, and she's going... And then you've got Russ here... And, and Davey here. And then it's like, pick me. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's what 16 would do. And they'd have a little thingy down the middle. Yes. Like a tour depart friendship yes. or something. God, that is so cool. Excuse okay. Me. You didn't talk to him in such a recent life. Yeah, and, and, and he was, I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, probably, I couldn't do like a whole run. I said, well, we don't. We do pockets anyway. Exactly. exactly. No and boy, would that bump up the whole enchilada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you a 16 reader? Oh, like, God, yes. That must have been crazy. Like, I subscribed for yourself, then She was schizophrenic, that's all. <laughs> yeah. I know who I was. Um, yes, I got it. And we, we actually didn't start off with a subscription, and I would go down to the Brentwood Mart... Yes. Once like every Friday or whenever it came out, was it once a week or once a month? I can't. Once a month, month. Yeah. yeah. And get it. And my big mission was to see if I and Davy were on the cover in some illustration. Because nice. <laughs> often that was the case. Nice. And then I'd save those in oh, particular. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I read it. I read all of it. And I read the, the stories that we didn't really say the things we said in. And right. Those are. Right. Awesome. <laughs> I love that sixteen magazine. I don't know. If, did you ever get one? Of oh yeah. I have book. a bunch Did you of get a new one? Too. Did you ever get a brand new one? I haven't. I haven't seen any of them oh, okay. since I was like. I used to grab age. that magazine and I used to smell it <laughs> because they use that particular ink. Right. You know? right. Smelling, wow, this is a good smelling magazine. Yeah, I have lots of, of old uh, oh, issues. Wow, like cool. my brother, one year for my birthday, just got me a stack about this. Wow. Yeah, it actually <laughs> just sat on a panel at uh, South by Southwest. Oh, awesome. A 16 magazine oh, panel. Oh, wow. With Tyler Hansen. Taylor. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Oh, the brothers are Hansen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this dude, um, what was the guy's name? The sunglasses I exact that we stole. <laughs> oh, he was the last editor, Danny Fields. Oh wow, Danny Fields. It was a trip, yes. and we uh, and Margaret Moser, and we talked all about Gloria and the days and all that stuff. It was that's very awesome. Yeah, I have the book that's uh, who's your favorite? That's Danny's book. Yes, yeah. yes, I've got that cool. book. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I want to hear Collins in it. Too. Yes, got yeah. an old column of it. Yes, it's great. <laughs> 
Annie and I were kind of at do, odds at a couple of times. And do you guys know that Susan and Russ went to China? No. Oh, they need to tell you about it. Oh, Japan. Yes. Japan. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. We did New Japan. That's right. That's right. We went Talk to a little bit about that. We went to Japan. We did. We went to Japan for a... Um, <clears throat> a conference um, held by the Pen Club, which is the, one of the oldest human rights organizations. The in the, wow. It's the oldest. It is the oldest uh, in the world. And they were doing. They came down and interviewed us during Katrina, and um, told us that uh, what they tell us. So they were working on putting together a summit. And, oh yeah. And about two years later, less than two years later, he they called it. Uh, we got a you know, whatever. Delivery with um, an offer and of what it was going on and, wow. and the whole day. Do we want to come? Wow. They paid us and they flew us and we stayed there for six days. And, and we're on a panel with like Nobel Prize laureates. <laughs> and, and it was really something. Uh, but they, they, they went. His most well known author, and uh, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Having dinner with these people. So even though there were only like eight of us, there were like 30 of us at dinner because everyone had to have a translator. And then throw in sake. It was just, it was, oh, no. <laughs> 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 it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, you silly guy, boss. They got pretty funny. One of these guys from China, man, he had about three sockies in him, and the next thing you know, he's, he's hitting on me. Oh, oh, he's oh. he's, he's socking it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thailand, he's coming up to us going, uh, I love your wife. <laughs> your wife, your like, wife is my girlfriend. Your wife, Kaka Pai. When she made it clear that she wasn't interested, he started hitting on me. He started hitting on me. Wow. I don't care, you boy, girl. I like. I just like. I like. But the reason, I think another reason that they were, you know, um, chosen for that, although, of course, they, they are New Orleans residents right. and they went through that tragedy right. on all sorts of levels. They also wrote a song about oh, the tragedy, which connects That really thing. was, uh, because the summit was, thank you, you're right, um, in regards to uh, all forms of art, from visual, um, you know, graphic art, um, documentaries, music, anything that, that was expressing emotion regarding a disaster, a natural, a, natu a natural disaster. It was basically, you know, this uh, sociological impact of natural disasters on the world. Because people don't really, you go through something like that, and, and if you go through it, you realize how it changes everything. But if you're watching it on TV, it's right. like, oh, bummer about the tsunami. Hey, what's for breakfast? Right. right. You know, and meanwhile, there's a whole new group of people that forever their lives are changing. Right. And thereby the landscape of our world. Right. And Even though you're one block away, still exactly. having your ice cream. Yeah. Yes. And that's what these guys were wanting to bring to the forefront, which yeah. was really, really cool. That's amazing. So, yeah, that was neato. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> I was going to ask you... Um, you played as the castles. At, uh, you played by yourself and as the castles at South by Southwest. Is yes, that correct. And that the first was, time the castles did South by that's Southwest. That's right. right. Russ and I have done South by Southwest forever with the Continental Drifters, and then we've done it forever as us. And we thought it would be a very good idea for the castles to come play Absolutely. because we do these oldies tours for sure. It's the first time we've ever done it. We've always just been our own band. We've never done an oldies tour. We took it up this time because the money was good. We lost Barry and Bill. I think we had a need to be together. Right. And 
and for whatever reason the climate is right for the Cowles Hills because we're getting I mean we're here playing at Epcot yes, by ourselves for a very nice sum that's awesome we couldn't get arrested in the 80s and 90s nobody even cared yeah. but now you know we do um, we're and I thought at a good time as yeah, well yeah I thought it would be really hip for the Cowles to come to South by Southwest yeah. and it was a huge awesome. buzz it was these guys were huge I mean I mean and I knew that was going to happen. And we had a great <laughs> venue, and then we played all the little places. We, we played with Alan Oldie's band, and we, we were all over the place. And, and, and it's funny, because in South by Southwest, you know, we understood understood what that was all about. Susan and Russ had been on us for years, and, and me and Bob, you know, we're always like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you know, but this time we went, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was... Uh, it was nice to go to South by Southwest because this was an opportunity for us to, to get back to more of our original stuff and, right. and you know, to show, hey, you know, we're still viable. We're a here. regular band on our own. So we were playing at the Presbyterian Church, you know, and Susan opened up for us, you know. Which was really fun. Was a, <laughs> a little confusing when we were trying <laughs> to make all then, these uh, arrangements. But yeah, <laughs> and, uh, but then we came right out of the box. I forget what song we did, you know, but it surely wasn't Rain the Park and other things. Right. You know, we rocked that church <laughs> yeah, that night. Awesome. Yeah. It was rescue. It was great. Like that, it was yeah. a really fun, and we had a blast. It yeah, was such yeah. a good time. It was a hoot, and we actually went into the softball. I'm sorry, but we yeah. also went into the softball game, which is the kind of like it's closure for everybody. Is this big softball game? Yeah. And musicians hadn't had a good run for many years. It's like booking agents against musicians right. against oh, buyers, print yeah. ad guys against the buyers, and stuff like that. And we actually we won. And we got a trophy. <laughs> the cow sales brought the musicians back on the map. All right, because usually <laughs> the musicians play it because it's a tournament. So you know you play, and then if you win, you play the other guys. If you win, you play the other guys well the musicians are always out the first game they're because just they're hung over and they're right. sensitive right and we're not sensitive these guys are uh, we had three castles Russ Tad, and, and our bass player Tad forget it <laughs> and he's been coaching <laughs> baseball for his whole life so with it my was, boys you know awesome. we kiss him. <laughs> so cool yeah what else you got um after you know playing with your family and other bands for so many years what motivated you to release your solo album just what like, you just said what he said what he said I think I think better show that point my love I think it, all of my life people have been saying to me why don't you do a solo thing I mean when we were making a record I was making a record with the Cowsills in 78 there was you know uh, you know Columbia Records wanted me and not us and we can make you a big star and you know why do you should do something on your own you should do something on your own but I didn't want to ever all those times and people were like you know everybody knew what was best for me right you know I'm like I'm perfectly happy doing what I'm doing I like being in a band way comfortable being in a band um used to be more comfortable being in a band now I'm okay with the with the solo thing but I think it was after the Continental Drifters we had broken up and Russ and I took a break for a couple of years and got day jobs on Bourbon Street right to just chill out from everything be home with our kids you know I mean because Bourbon Street is a musical person's day job we just work three days a week make a good nut it's all good and I don't know, after a couple of years of burning out on that, but also learning how to front a band, because I had never fronted a band ever. And Bourbon Street, my friend Jansen Lohmeyer asked us if we'd come down and asked me if I would be the front person. I was like, uh, well, you're going to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, and uh, 
that was a good learning place for that. And then and com complete anonymity too. Yeah, nobody. So knew many who I people was. come into the. Yeah, that's occasionally true. someone would recognize. Kind of drifter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, nobody knew I was in like council. <laughs> once every seven weeks, I'm like, yeah. Susan Cowsell? Yeah, with the, the That's a really good point. It made it easier for me to do that because I was just the girl in the Bonoffs, this Cajun cover band on Bourbon Street. So I wasn't as intimidated to, to, to do that. Then we got burned out on that, and um, it it finally became, the, and plus I'd been writing a bunch of songs, a bunch of songs all throughout so it is it is kind of a story in a way it's but you know going from when I started writing songs you know it was my little journey of writing and finally and assessing I, I kind of say that I couldn't make a solo debut album till I had lived out that time to write about it to make it if I had done a solo record when I was 18 it would be that about what I mean what am I going to write about you know I write Dwight Willie and David Jones whatever <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, and and double bubble gum and cocaine, as a matter of fact, too. Uh, these are all my favorite things. Okay. Yeah. Now put that in the song. It's not very compelling. So was it years in the works? Are these songs going back years? Well, I mean, songs you started working you know, years um, ago? Or? The, the Just Believe It's are not so old. Um, I think the oldest song from Just Believe It was um, Gazebo. That's my bro song. Um, and I started writing that while I was in the Drifters. <laughs> but we're not laughing at the end of it. You know, with the we're all calling, going, I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. It, was, it wasn't just them. No. It, but you know what? It, a lot of the material, as I was in the Drifters, there would be things that weren't wasn't Drifter material. Right. That just didn't, you know, the Rain song that was a Drifter, you know. Right. But but I'd say most of it we wrote when we really started figuring out that's what we're gonna do. And Russ, Russ so, so it was being me. written at the tail end of the drifters. The tail know? end of the drifters, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's my answer to that. <laughs> you know, but let me just embellish yeah, yeah, a little too. bit upon that because you know, um, you've got to take into consideration. Okay, Susan is the youngest of seven. Right. Okay. There's a lot of people who think they're in charge of Susan above her. Right. Okay. So you've got six people. <laughs> exactly. Six, and maybe even mom and dad will throw them in for good measure. So now you're looking at eight people. Right. You know. That's and the only girl with all brothers. I think we're lucky we got it out of her um, <laughs> by the time we did because imagine the challenge of, of breaking through every freaking level of whatever has come down on her head through her whole life. Yeah, she's got all these people. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And she's not even believing all these family in her heart of, of heart. <laughs> yeah, and she's not really believing at this moment in her heart of hearts. Well, I, I'm not capable. Yeah. And I think as she Very. got older and older and she worked through all of this stuff, I think she became brave, okay? Built because it takes a, a, a braveness, uh, you know, Good. to uh, <laughs> On through all this bullshit. Right. Is this like oh, a no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry if you guys are religious. I am too. Bless me, Father Brian. It's been, well, just one year since I. Okay. It's okay. They're okay. Okay, but anyway. So, so all I'm saying, and the only reason I, I, I know this, uh, that what she's going through, is that I go through the same thing. I never sang a lead vocal, okay? And now um, I'm uh, hitting walls and saying, screw the walls. I'm going to climb over those to see yeah. what's on the other side. That because. Very good point. 
especially yeah. growing up in a fa in a musical family band. Bob and Bill, our oldest brothers, were freaking Girls. geniuses. Barry, genius, absolutely and genius. And John, even writer. in his own funny way, yeah. genius. But really, the main two top guys were so it. It was like, well, shit, I ain't. <laughs> and, no. and with me, I'll tell you, and this is the truth, and they all deny it, but they're lying. When they when I was little, I mean, I would pick up a guitar. You know, they'd be put it down. I'm like, you know, because I was their little sister. Right. Nobody was going here. Let me show you a chord. Right. You know, when I was nine and ten, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 30. Yeah, I mean, where was heart? 30 you know, years old, times, 31. You know, but right then, it wasn't you know? cool no, to pick up a guitar. It was no. all about the Beatles and the freaking Rolling Stones. Right. I yeah. hate them all. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I love their music, but they always caused us problems. Yeah. <laughs> our, our brothers thought that they were religious gods, and yeah. I never felt that way about any kind of music. Right. It's music. It's right. happy. It's, you, know, <laughs> you don't need to uh, be blue to, to write a blues song. Right. You really don't. You know, right. you just pretend. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> Are you sending this to Leslie? Um, yeah, yeah. Hi, Leslie. Oh, Hello, hey, Leslie. listen, when I talked to you on the phone yesterday, I didn't realize it was you. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, go Red Cross. <laughs> I'll explain. Am I right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Especially meeting you now, you're just so down to earth and sweet, and it's great. Um, throughout your adult career, especially, you you've, just presented, <laughs> you've just presented yourself as yourself, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on manufacturing pop stars, and if you ever had any kind of pressure with that, especially when you were younger. Oh, well, when we were younger, we were manufactured pop stars. We weren't manufactured musicians right. and singers. That we were soul, heart and soul, but an image was created for us we were they you know they loosely took it from reality we're a family band the wholesomeness the cuteness the squeaky cleanness the non-rockness was created my brothers were a great r&b band great rock band but it was marketable at the time to be a pop bubblegum band and then we were a family which that was unheard of and so they manufactured this thing that became a Partridge family is, right, you know yeah. what I mean um, now what do I think about it I think that you know that's that's history that's that's like you know Hannah Montana my daughter adores her and and I think she's great and you know the only thing about it I think is that the downfall is the same downfall it was when it was us, is that we lose the musical person that that person obviously is. Britney's good. Uh, Miley's great. Um, Avril, you know, Avril's starting to grab her own reality. Yes. These girls are very good musicians. You know, they're good singers. They know what they're doing, but they're not going to get to what they really are till later, till they're done with this portion yes, of their program. And as far as I go and my image, I mean, you know, forget it. You yeah. know? <laughs> this is what it is, and and I'm okay with, you know, take it or leave it, you know. Do you think if you had made a solo record in 1978, that would have been... I'd be dead. I would have bought <laughs> so much cocaine, I would have killed myself. I'm just telling you, it's the God's honest truth. Yeah. I do not think I'd be here. I was, um, you know, I was a wild child. I was, you know, on a... And, and, and maybe not, because I was pretty smart and I knew what I was doing, but I can't tell you, you know, or I, I, life would be very different. It, I needed to, to do everything I did just the way I did it. Um, 
you know. Susan and, and gets messages from <laughs> out there. <laughs> Fortunately, she listens to them. I do get messages okay? from and out so there. <laughs> I think what Susan has is a guiding light, uh, this little Absolutely. angel that goes, wow, this chick's gotten her ass kicked for all these years. Let's, like, just protect her a bit. Right. And so she's hearing things, I think, and, you know, and she's able to, like, go, oh, that sounds like a good thing, you know. And, and, and of course, she's so much older and mature now, you know, that yeah. I I'm think sure it's good to be able to look back and be and say everything that happened, good and bad, it happened. Oh, I love that. That's my favorite thing. Me too. I wouldn't really change anything. (laughs) Somebody asked me that the other day, and they they didn't like my answer. (laughs) I can't remember who it was. Would you change mistakes you made? And I was like, no. I mean, they're all part of the deal. You don't learn anything unless... You know, would I... I mean, you know, and then, you know, would I change the fact... I mean, there... There are some really horrific things that occurred that I wouldn't wish on anybody, but some innate part of me says that I'm so happy with who I am. Evidently, that was part of the course. Yeah. So it's a weird kind of question, I guess. It's probably because you learn something from every stage. If you're not learning something from, good point. Know, that's where we're making a mistake. But if you, right. you make a wrong right. turn or something, which would, most people would define as wrong right. turn, or let's say something that caused you pain or someone else pain, but you learn something from it, well then how do you define that as a mistake? That's actually a lie. Right, so if you because just Because maybe that new learning will take you to something that you Good never point. would have... Right, and that's the thing you run into. It's like that movie where those kids, you know, they escape death. death. They escape death. Oh yeah. And so, you know, it changes everything. You know, there might be something something a lot worse than what happened that was so bad coming for you, you know. It's all good. <laughs> but you know, just just let me throw this in real quick. Yes, you know, for every for every move Madison Avenue makes, somebody who's in the gutter with such talent and genius and could do the same thing do get lost. Right. Because that's their billet. And that's they lost true. it. That's Madison true. Avenue filled. That's true. And I mean, as far as what we do, when we do it, because we love it. Um, you know, it could be picked up by something large, but because we're not, you know, I don't have any intention of becoming anything other than exactly what I am, and I'm almost 50 years old, that also, um, you know, we'll probably just exist on the, the level we do, which is great. I mean, you know, and, and I mean that in the in the, the mentality of what is, is deemed successful and not successful. Okay, I, I mean... We're, we do great things and we have everything we need and uh, but um, as far as mainstream view of who's successful and who isn't successful you know it's I no, get skewed. it's no longer I think I can say this it's no longer about fame and fortune right. okay it is about the feel and the love yeah, you know absolutely. and uh, if you go in and make an album for us it never was about it getting picked up and becoming a major smash hit and now we're all wearing uniforms on stage again it was that dat yes. that digital audio tape that sat in our drawers Right. And we just, you know, I looked, my kids used to go, gee, Dad, sorry it wasn't successful. And I used to go, oh, dude, you're thinking fame and fortune here. Yeah. And I'd and, go get the dad and say, that's the and success. And you know what yeah, does happen, absolutely. and I think we're experiencing it right now, is that you do it because you love it. And, ooh, look, fame and fortune just happens yep. to follow right hey, behind it. Yes. So if you're not yes. doing, if you're doing it for fame and fortune, odds are. Yeah. I mean, some people slip through the crack for sure. But if you do it because you love it, 
you will find if you look over your shoulder, fame and fortune is, is right there. I right. Just read a quote. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It said, um, do what you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. <laughs> yeah. That's a great line. That's right there, baby. Very simple. Yeah. do that all the time. I mean, like, every year since I've known her, she's been recording at least three to ten albums with other people where she oh, yeah. comes in and sings <clears throat> guest, right. guest vocals. Yeah. Like, and you know, if you, if you Google her discography, it has maybe 80 albums, but yeah. I know there's probably closer to 200 because we're just sitting in like this last year, there's at least five. There's a country guy, there's half uh, talkers. Yeah, I sing with a lot of people. Because I just a lot of because I have a, the vocal thing. People call me up to do harmonies for them. That's Sang with Jules Shear, Hootie and the Blowfish. Bob Dill. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and as a studio guy myself, who have played, I've recorded with a lot of people myself. There's no one faster in the studio than Susan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bob, Bob, she, That's why they just, call me. It's really not my singing. quality. It's just my quantity. They can get me in the studio. <laughs> they get you because of your qual- your quality. Then they learn about your. And then it becomes a business. Business. Oh, forget yeah, it. She does a couple of lines and she nails it. I do want to ask too, um, how long have you lived in New Orleans now? Are you still? 15 years. 15 years? Maybe. How, yeah, 15 years. How has that, um, has that helped to influence your musical direction? New Orleans, I'm sure that different things. What it is, is it's, it's an environment in which being musical is celebrated as opposed to looking like you're a slacker because you don't have a day job they have a the city looks upon their musicians as viable even like you know um we're very important to the city and anywhere else unless you're really famous and making a lot of money you're just a slacker doing a hobby who needs to get real and go get a job New Orleans, I mean, we have our own, you know, musicians do not get insurance, let's just say, on, you know, just to show you how the overall world, uh, the functioning world, the infrastructure world looks at musicians. We aren't insured. We're they not, do in Belgium and they do in other countries. In other countries in America. In but in New Orleans, we have a musician's clinic where we do a copay of $20 and we can have our medical That's taken great. care That's of. Wonderful. We have, you know, foundations to help people, <clears throat> musicians that aren't doing really well financially to help, you know, kind of keep them doing they music. their bills, So it's yeah. a good place to be just nurturing-wise. It, it is. And then, and then. And then. There is a total, may I say, yeah. there is an influence in Susan and Russ's music. Yeah, and then there is that. Of their where we live. Of where yeah, they live. It's definitely got a southern... You hear southern. it. Was that something that was just once you moved there it I became so. a big part of it? I think it's so. Yeah, it's probably like by osmosis. It's yeah, my pop sure. music to another... You probably hear more than I hear. I hear, yeah, I hear yeah. pop songs. Just in the beginning of Just Believe yeah, It. Yeah, yeah, second line. Yeah, no, like you're that. right. Second line. Paul Simon down. No, he's right. I'm hearing it in all the music. It ain't in the rain song. In New Orleans also, it's a very tight community you know I mean I, I do gigs at least once a week where I don't even know who I'm playing with until I arrive at the gig and it's like oh it's about time we've been running over for 30 years it's like, yeah, it's really you know, fun that way and you just really don't know fun. who it's going to be it could be and everybody's uh, named Broussard now <laughs> so he might even be playing with his cousin he doesn't know about who I didn't even know existed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
great. Well, that's all the questions we have. Well, you did good. Let's hear it for you for your first interview. <laughs> 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 <laughs>